Yo, 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 I am your host, Rebecca, with First Steps to Sanity, and I will be here each week to give you the foundations, strategies, and witchy ways to help you gain confidence, manage your anxiety, and break the stigma by opening the conversation of mental health. So let's dive right into this week's episode. All right, so today we have Shelja. Shelja is a life coach and entrepreneur, and after she went on a journey of healing and growth in 2020, she quit her accounting job to start her coaching business. She shows up as her authentic, confident self and empowers others to do the same by sharing her energy, voice, and stories. She helps women rewrite their limiting beliefs, redefine success, and love themselves so they can show up as their confident, authentic selves to build an aligned career and live a wholehearted life. I don't know what's my problem today with these W's, but I'm not rewrite. right. <laughs> I'm like hearing it. I'm like, that's been all day. I, I'm like talking like a little kid. <laughs> so can you tell me more about your journey? So yeah, I actually, um, I'm a child of Indian immigrants. We came to Canada when I was four years old. So I actually, uh, you know, grew up, around Canada essentially, but I we moved around a lot. So I went to eight schools in eight years up until high school. So it was like every year, different grade, you know, having to make new friends. And I was always kind of searching for that belongingness of, you know, where do I belong? Like, I don't really have these continuous friends and stuff. So yeah, I, I really had that. And then all of a sudden I was like kind of thrust into this um, high school life where you're just kind of trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And um, you know, coming from Indian parents, they have this whole like checklist of like, you know, your career has to have this professional designation of like doctor, lawyer, whatever, right? And um, I was initially interested in psychology back in grade 11 when I took it. And I was also taking accounting. And my accounting teacher was really great. Like he um, really made the class fun for us. Like he, he showed us Shark Tank during class. I love Shark Tank to this day. And yeah, um, I went to my parents, I was like, yeah, like, I want to do, um, I want to do psychology. And they were like, yeah, I don't think that's a great path or whatever. They're like, you know, get like a professional designation. So I chose accounting. It had CPA. And just to backtrack a bit, like in grade nine, my average was like 75%. And um, my parents basically were like, well, we're worried you're not going to amount to anything in life with that average. And that was like a statement of like, your worth is tied to these grades and that really created like this pressure in me to you know it activated like this anxious achiever inside me that was like oh my god like I have to get my grades up like I'm not going to amount to anything in life if I don't build this awesome career you know <laughs> and I think by the time I got to grade 11 I had you know bumped up my average to like 90s um, I got into, you know, the Bachelor of Commerce program at, at the university. So I, I planned like my whole life essentially this, as this anxious achiever where I was like, okay, I'm going to get into university. I'm going to get this co-op job in this accounting firm. Then I'm going to get hired full time. And then I'm going to get my CPA. And then I'm going to open my own firm. And then I'm going to get married and have kids and have this perfect life. And it didn't, most of it went like similarly planned to that, which is okay. But I would say uh, in, I was 20 years old, I had secured that dream co-op job and like life threw me the biggest curveball. <laughs> um, all of a sudden I got diagnosed with this very serious illness. It was a life-changing diagnosis and 
I had a decision in front of me. It was like, you know, am I going to sit here and, you know, wallow in my sadness and be like, why does this happen to me? Or am I going to let this thing like take control of my life essentially, right? And I decided, I was like, I'm going to go and build the career that I promised myself I would build and I've dreamed of to this day. So I did that. And four days um, after I got my diagnosis, I accepted that co-op position. Like it was already waiting for me, essentially. The partner even said that. But I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to just go and do this. And, you know, um, within four months, I made a great impression while undergoing really harsh treatment. Um, within eight months, I was in remission. And uh, by 20, like, uh, and then I went to school as well. And then 2016, I had already secured a full-time position. So I was like on that track of like that plan was going great, right? But um, so I got my CPA in those two years from 2016 to 2018. And when I got my CPA, I started feeling like stuck in my job because I, I, I got promoted to senior. I had my CPA and I worked my first tax season. And if you haven't heard about public accounting before, it's like, you're working like 200 hours, you know, um, every month from January to April. Um, you barely get vacation until June. And even if you do, like, I was scheduled on these really intense, like, audit engagements, which was like, I basically didn't, wasn't able to take vacation until October. <laughs> mm. So I was burnt out. I was like, what is happening? Like, I was, my body was telling me, it was like, this isn't for me. And yeah, I was just like, you know, there has to be, like, Basically, I reached this like quarter life crisis where I was like, um, life was supposed to be more beautiful than this. Like, why did I choose this as my path? And, and where am I? Like, what's happening? And so then I started like kind of, you know, getting into this energy of like, well, I have to figure something out. And I went to people I worked with and I was like, you know, what do you think I should do? And they were like, well, the next step on this path is manager after senior. And the anxious achiever in me got activated and it was like, oh yeah, of course I have to be manager here. Like, you're like, you know, of, of course. And my parents, on the other hand, were like, well, didn't you always say you wanted to have your own accounting firm? Like, when are you going to do that? And I was like, but the, the whole thing was like, I was, I had fear about the unknown and being that anxious achiever, like, um, that was scary. Like, oh my God, like, I, I can't trust myself to be an entrepreneur. Like, I had self-doubt about my own abilities to have my own business. I was like, I, cause my whole thing was like, I hadn't really seen female entrepreneurs at that time around me. And it, I was like, well, this is a man's role. It involves strategy. And I'm like, I'm not a strategic person. I'm not an assertive person. Like, who am I to do this? You know, that whole like um, self-doubt really crept in. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna stay put here. I'm gonna work my way up to manager. I'm gonna see what happens. And honestly, I really thrived in building relationships. Um, at the firm, whether it was with clients or colleagues or, you know, partners, managers, like I was that person that was like, just out there, just, you know, enjoying that process of that. So I looked for more opportunities to do that. I went to partners and I was like, can I work on your client? I really want to build a relationship with them. I want to, you know, um, step into this manager role. And they were like more than happy to accommodate that, obviously. And so part of that, but the other side of it was like, I did not want to be working 200 hours. I didn't want to be working on those audit engagements. So I really um, took the initiative to like go to the partners and I was like, listen, like, I don't want to work these hours. 
I'm not going to work Saturdays during tax season and I want to be off on an engagement. And they were very accommodating because I, you know, I was very open and honest about my health. And they were like, yeah, of course. Like, and of course, when you have that foundation of good work, they're going to accommodate you as much as they can, right? So yeah, they did that and they really appreciated that. But then um, when it came to this certain instance where I started saying no to projects for my mental health. I started to set boundaries around my energy and what I had available energy for. It kind of came to this like, well, you know, you're not being a team player or like that type of thing. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm putting myself out there. I'm really vulnerable. I'm advocating for myself. And I think me advocating for myself comes from like this thing I like to call um, mortality motivation, which was like, well, I've had this like life-changing experience and basically been so close to death so it's like life has already put me in such a vulnerable position so of course I'm gonna go and advocate for myself in the workplace <laughs> like you know that's just how I see it right and yeah so I did advocate for myself but um and they did take me off the audit engagements eventually but that really showed me that the corporate culture is really behind in things like mental health and me personally, I'm very passionate about mental health. I joined the board for mental health. Like I, I, I live and breathe, you know, mental health awareness. Like I, I, I love to promote it. I love to talk about my own experiences. Like that's me. And I was like, well, I'm, like, I feel like I'm leave, leading this double life of like, you know, working in this corporate culture where it's like, they're not really talking about mental health. And, you know, even my own experience with how, uh, you know, me being open about my mental health. And during the global pandemic, man, it really came to light that employers are kind of behind in that like very behind and I brought it up to HR I was like I don't think I'm getting the support that I need like I don't feel like my coach is checking up on me and that's just how they are right and, and ultimately I had to make that decision of like it really brought to light that do these values and beliefs really align with mine you know like this culture is just so rooted in like hustle and burnout and productivity tied to your worth and that anxious achiever in me, of course, believes in that productivity tied to worth because that's what I had been told, right, with the grades and everything. But I was like, no, like, my own mental health journey has, has made me more of an empathetic and compassionate person because I felt the pain of being in a position where the people around me didn't offer that empathy and compassion. And that's what ultimately led me to be a life coach, you know, like, because I want to be there for the people who don't have that support around them. I want to lift them up. And I think that was part of it. I was like, well, I'm not in an environment where I'm not getting that support. You know, it's a workplace, fine. But at the end of the day, you're still a human being, right? So, <clears throat> so the interesting thing happened is that I had been feeling stuck for the past two years. And one night after going through a lot of these things at work, I put into Instagram, I was like, quit your job, like in the hashtag. And I found um, Lindsay Hansen, who is a life coach, and she used to be a CPA, working in Big Four. Yeah. <laughs> and she had a podcast called Quit Your Job, Sis. And I was like, wow, like, look at her journey. Like, CPA to coach. Like, who would have even thought you could do that? Like, it kind of opened my eyes. And, you know, her thing was like, I want to help you see your potential beyond your credentials. I want to help you change the nine-to-five narrative and get clarity on what it means to live life on your own terms. And it was like, yeah, like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And it was like the universe kind of delivering that to me. And uh, just to backtrack a, a bit too, like, 
in January, I made this vision board that was like all the things that I kind of desired, you know, my authentic desires. And in the middle, I put the word growth. And that's what I wanted for 2020. I was like, I want to get growth, whatever that looks like. And, you know, I had pictures of like Michelle Obama, who I looked up to. I had, you know, statements about um, breaking the crazy busy cycle, getting inspired and just empowerment. Cause those are the things I enjoy, like woman empowerment and mental health. I was like, those are the two things that I'm passionate about. So I did that. And in a way the universe brought Lindsay to me in that form. And I listened to the podcast and I messaged her one day and I was like, wow, Lindsay, like I'm loving your podcast. It's making me think I can do something different. Like I feel like life coaching feels aligned to me. And she was like, well, what's holding you back from doing that? And I said, well, I think it's um, the fact that I want to have a life coaching business and also like a side accounting business. And she was like, well, like, and then I ended up signing up for coaching with her because I'm like, I think I kind of had this intuition feeling that was like, I feel like there's some work that needs to be done here. And I really want to explore life coaching. And I think um, it's just a great investment to make. And, you know, being in her energy, she really helped me make that investment in myself. Like, because of course I wanted to invest in my own growth, right? That's what I wanted in the beginning of 2020. And then um, the universe brought this life coach to me. And I was like, of course I want that. So <clears throat> we really worked through some things. And ultimately we, we realized that I was holding on to having this quote unquote side accounting business or staying in accounting. Um, because of what society may think. And I was always, you know, this conditioning of um, living your life according to other people. And, you know, I come from this Indian culture where it's just so ingrained that, you know, what you do is who you are. And like, um, you know, the job that you have or the career that you have is like a symbol of success. So for me, like the CPA was a symbol of success. And for me to leave that and do life coaching, it's like, well, what will people think? And that really led to a lot of healing and growth about my own limiting beliefs about my own self-worth, which had been, you know, started from this whole, like, um, just my upbringing, right? Like, like this whole, like, productivity tied to worth, um, grades tied to worth, like, your achievements, basically, like, the fact that your achievements um, define your worth. And it was like, no, like, she really taught me, like, I am worthy because I am. And everything else is like outside of that. Like at the end of the day, you know, I can step into this world and be like, I am worthy and do whatever I want to do. I can do what I desire. And what I desired was to quit my job and, you know, have my own coaching business because, you know, that was my purpose. And, you know, I've through this journey, I've really started to learn more about um, the universe and soul and spirit. And, you know, I really had a spiritual awakening, I would say, in 2020, which has led me to the fact that this, not regret, but like just gratefulness and gratitude for everything I've experienced in my life from, um, you know, seeking that um, kind of belonging and, you know, later wanting it in the corporate culture. And that's why I stayed in that job for so long. It wasn't because I enjoyed the work I was doing. It was because I... I was finally around a group of people for a long period of time and I hadn't been like that before. It was like a comfort zone for me. <clears throat> and on the other hand, I really grew up, grew up being like, 
um, not getting that validation from um, my parents in the form, like when I would have an achievement, it would always be like, well, what's next? If like, you know, you got a 99, what about, why didn't you get a hundred? <laughs> if you got into university, why didn't you get a scholarship? If you, um, if you pass the CPA exam, when are you getting your designation? It was, it wasn't like, success wasn't, was an expectation, not an achievement. And it was like, not not stopping to celebrate the smaller wins. And that's how I started approaching life too, as an anxious achiever. And part of it was like, I needed people outside of me to tell me that I was worthy and that I was getting these achievements, you know, I wanted them to validate me for being successful essentially. And that turned me into this insecure overachiever whose, you know, behavior was rooted in perfectionism and people pleasing because I was working overtime to do that in the work environment. It was always about, you know, trying to please the people around me. So, yeah. Have you ever taken the Enneagram test? I have. I've gotten four. Really? That's surprising because yeah. a lot of what you were saying is exactly like I didn't grow up in the culture yeah. of it, but it was um, Enneagram three, which is like your worth is tied to your accomplishments. Yeah. And it was so eye-opening when I realized that. I was like, oh, my God. It's crazy. This is why I stress myself out with work. But you know what's funny? My coach doesn't believe in the personality tests. She has this whole thing against it where she's like, well, you're kind of just like putting yourself in a box or whatever. She's like, you're so much more than what a test tells you, I guess, which I kind of do believe, but yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. And I'm not saying like okay, take the test. That's your life. I'm saying take the test and you'll learn something about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it develops the self-awareness that you didn't even know you had. But when you're talking about how the culture is, I'm like, damn, that's like so much of how I put myself, which is weird. Cause I didn't grow up in that culture, mm -hmm. but it's interesting. And then when you try to go away from that, and especially when you start your own business and you're like, worth is still tied to your accomplishments you got to do some deep ass healing for that which i'm still doing to this day like i feel like healing yeah. is a lifelong journey and i'm still working with my coach like you know every week something comes up and she helps me shift that and i have also learned you know becoming more self-aware like how to shift that on my own and it, it, it's a lot that comes up yeah it's a lot what would you say was that breaking moment for you when you decided that you're like i need to hire this lady um, honestly, I wanted to be her. Mm. I wanted the life that she had. I was like, how did you get from that CPA environment to what you're doing now? And how did you become that entrepreneur? And how did you do life coaching, which I want to be doing? Like, I just wanted, I looked up to her. I stopped looking up to the people I worked with. Mm. At a point, I looked up to the partners that I worked for and I went to them and I was like, you know, mentor me. But I was like, I was looking for a completely different mentor in a way, you know? And I yeah. found that in her and I was like, oh my God, like you are the person I've been waiting for. Yeah, it's crazy. And most importantly, like I have been the person I've been waiting for because everything I needed was inside of me. And she just helped me bring that out in myself, right? Because like my authentic self was always there. Everything, every decision I was taking from my own intuition was my authentic self showing up in that environment still, you know? Yeah, I get that, man. 
I love when you were talking about how like you were trying to move up in the company, even though like you already knew then you were like, I don't want to be here, but I have to succeed. So I have to go up. I was like, dude, I did that. Like I was a pizza restaurant manager and I wanted nothing to do with that company. It was like an out of high school job that I got to get money so I could buy a car. And like all of a sudden, six months in, I'm a manager and I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> Like, have you ever had an a rude, awake, rude awakening? Rude awakening, yeah. I call it. I was like, oh my god, this is life, dude. There was an older guy there that was like, "Why are you a manager?" And I was like, 19. I'd been one for like a year, and I was like, I don't fucking know, bro. I worked for six to seven 50 year old men who, and one of them told me to put my head down and not make noise. And I think that was a big turning point in my journey where I was like, "Why am I around someone who tells me I can't make noise and use my voice?" Because that's what I'm here on this earth to do like in my last job i had a turning point like that i uh i thought what i was saying was right and then it wasn't and i had to go back to the person and tell them that they had to send me more paperwork that sucks right like if when anybody's ever come back to you and been like no i'm sorry i was wrong you have to send me more it's inconvenient so I said, hey, I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, I do actually need this form as well. And I put a frowny face because I always use, it's email. I was trying to use like, you know, emojis as a way to convey like, yo, I know this sucks. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. want this to come off as a dick. Yeah. And the CEO sent me like a 10 paragraph email telling me how I was a disappointment and how I need to stop framing things negatively. I wrote him back and said, since when is being an empathetic person framing things negatively? And if you feel that way, maybe you should take a little look at yourself and start getting some healing done. And me and him were like friends outside of work. He came up to me when he was hanging out with me and my fiance. He's like, I don't appreciate that. That was kind of rude. And I was like, I think it was rude that I had to read your freaking 10 page paragraph full of bullshit because you think being empathetic is a negative trait. Well, I was in a salary meeting and the two partners I was in the meeting with were like, we don't have empathy. I was Why? like, okay. What kind of people don't have empathy and think that's a good thing? Like, no, like they pride themselves on it. Like that's, a, that's a freaking uh, characteristic of a, a psychopath. It's to not be able to feel emotions for people. But that's the older generation, don't you feel? Oh no, he was 30. Okay, well that's... Yeah, yeah, he was only older than me. But he's empathetic men? What? Have you met empathetic men? Yes, actually. My fiance. <laughs> that is why he's my fiance. I went from using guys as uh, tissues in a tissue box to all of a sudden I'm buying a house with this dude and living with him within like six months. And all of my exes that I was still friends with were like, yeah, honey, you're going to marry him. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, when you get out of your commitment issues, you're gonna go walk down that aisle and marry this dude and i'm like you're fucking on crack and the next thing i know i'm like oh yeah i guess we're engaged now they were right <laughs> that's amazing but that's true like he's he was so different because so many guys are just like i don't have empathy toxic masculinity yes and i was like allowed to be that to a woman i'm not allowed to show emotions and that's you know, not their fault that's not even their fucking fault like you can't even fully get mad because those guys are right. Like, it's not personal. It's business. But also, I have empathy for their own upbringing, which left, which left, left uh, led them down that path. Exactly. So I have empathy that they don't have empathy. 
I know it's, and it's, <laughs> it's sad because it's like the way that you were raised. Like I was raised to believe that, you know, yeah, you might yell at the guy on the interstate because he sucks at driving, but like if he's crying in front of you, you don't be a dick. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's shocking. It's shocking. And it's sad if you think about it, the, like how hard their life must be because I guarantee you that their wife is not happy with them. And like, when you think about it like that, you're like, Ooh, but you know, what's funny. It's like, I was raised by an Indian dad. So I should have like expected that going into that place, but I didn't, you know, my neighbor is actually, uh, of the Indian culture and he's like the sweetest guy I've ever met in my life. Depends. Yeah. He did one thing that was kind of assholish, but I'll, I'll forgive him for that. <laughs> yeah, he's got, his son has autism. And when he, um, when he got his family over, I don't really know the full situation. I just know all of a sudden he had a wife and a kid that showed up and the kid was like two. So I was like. But okay. I also feel like life experiences shape, you know, that empathy and compassion yeah. in you, right? Because I feel like I always did have some of it, but it really did grow after my health struggle. So I feel yeah. like, you know. Well, he actually came to us one day and apologized because I guess his son beats on our walls downstairs. We're usually upstairs, so we never knew it. Oh, wow. And we have dogs, and they bark at everything. So I, like, I don't think anything of it. I always felt bad because I'm like, oh, my God, they could probably hear my dogs. And he came and apologized to us. And I was like, that's so nice. Like, nobody does that. Everyone's like, I have a kid. What do you expect? And he's just like, I'm so sorry. My kid's been banging on your walls. Damn. That's, like, unheard of. It was really inspiring. But, Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's crazy and it sucks and more people should have empathy. But I do, I do agree with you. I think like my mental health issues have created me to be able to have more empathy for other people. Yeah. Like when I see somebody getting mad at a grocery store, I'm like, I bet you they had a really shitty day and they have some anxiety right now. And that must really suck. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It puts you in a like, I don't know. I kind of like, Everybody's always like, I want to get rid of my mental health issues, and I'm kind of glad for them. Me too. Yeah. Like, I feel if anybody could understand what it's like to be suicidal, but you want to live, like, yep. Been I there. got you, bro. Like, here. let me help you find a reason. So, I, I don't know. I'm on a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> what would you say was, like, some of the steps you took to kind of start healing yourself from that people pleasing and perfectionism. Honestly, I feel like life coaching really did, you know, start that journey for me because once I realized a lot about my own limiting beliefs around, you know, my self-worth, it was like, well, you know, I am worthy because I am. And I I do realize that in childhood, I didn't get that validation and belonging. And, you know, that is why I do people please. And the thing is, I realized this in therapy and I still kept doing it, but I think life coaching really helped me shift that mindset of my thoughts create my feelings, create my actions, right? And and that whole thing of like, I get to choose my own experience and I get to choose my actions in that environment myself, right? So I get to show up without this need to people please because I don't have to, I don't know, impress anybody or, you know, please them to, to get anything from them. I get to show up as my confidently authentic self and just be like just be, just give, just show up. And yeah, so I think, honestly, like, I I do find my perfectionist tendencies even showing up sometimes in my business. And I'm just like, but, you know, this one affirmation is kind of like, I can't screw up what's meant for me. So it's like, why do I need to 
be a perfectionist in that. I can just do what, okay, I think being guided by my intuition, desires, and energy is also a big one too, right? Because if I'm guided by my intuition, it's like, that's that gut feeling of like, you know, I'm doing what's right for me. And being guided by my energy is like, you know, I actually feel energized to do this right now. And with desires, it's like, we were always taught that desires are bad. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you don't have to, um, you don't have to control what you eat in a way either, right? It's, it's just kind of like, well, you shouldn't eat that chocolate bar, or you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't do that. And it's like, but I desire to do that. So what's wrong with that, right? And I think for me, like, um, I've, I've really been on the journey from pleasing others to pleasing myself. And when I please myself, I don't need to please others. So I think that's what I would say. I didn't actually know you were in therapy. So that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've dealt with a few therapists, but I feel like I think breaking free from the job really helped me get very serious about my healing and growth. And because I was in therapy when I was in the job and it was more about what was happening in the job versus what was happening with me. But life coaching shifts the perspective to what was happening with me. And it was kind of like, I always was like, oh my God, I'm stuck in this environment. I'm stuck in this environment. But it's like, this is my life and I'm the heroine of my story. And, you know, I'm stuck in my own mind and how I experience what's around me. So it's like, in, in therapy, I did learn that, you know, my perfectionist and people-pleasing behaviors came from my childhood. But to use that knowledge to transform my life and make better decisions for myself, that's what life coaching did for me. It helped me shift the focus to myself and really get out of a victim mindset to a heroine mindset. So what would you say was the big difference with the therapy and the life coaching experience for you and for your healing path? I feel like with therapy, I didn't really get, um, I didn't get that thought work model. I didn't get that practical things I could apply. Like for example, in life coaching, I have this, you know, my coach always says do like a brain dump where it's like you actually write down everything that, you know, that inner critic or ego is saying to you. I didn't learn about ego in therapy. Like if I learned about ego, <laughs> solve a lot of my problems. It's not that self-awareness. Like therapy didn't teach me to be self-aware. It just taught me that you have, you're behaving a certain way and that's rooted in your childhood. But it didn't teach me that I could come out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's actually yeah. a question I get a lot. And like, like I, I've gone to so many therapists, but it's such a weird question for me to answer because I kind yeah. of feel like I don't want to tell somebody to not go to therapy. No. I wouldn't either. But I don't want to tell somebody that they have to get a coach either. Exactly. And like, it's weird. Well, like, my advice is like, go based off your own needs, right? Like, are yeah. you dealing with PTSD, you know, or, or trauma that you really need like a, like a professional who's like really studied a lot of psychology to, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So and the two words I would use to describe therapy versus life coaching is therapy is insight. Whereas life coaching is more transformation. Therapy kind of starts that journey. And I feel like life coaching really encompasses how it affects you in a way, you know, that's just my personal. That's, take on that's it. a really good point. Like therapy yeah. is where you kind of get 
like I feel like you start to learn about it and you get the basic foundation for the self-awareness and then you go to coaching and you actually start to implement it and like do the things that's that's a good way to journey it's definitely a journey for your mental health yeah that's a cool way now you had mentioned too about desire like if you desire something to go and get it and you had brought up the example of food and this is like such an interesting one to me because there's such a balance with it and i feel like food is like the perfect way to describe it because you can desire eight chocolate bars but you don't actually desire it you're trying to like avoid something with food that's numbing yeah so like how would you say you kind of like found the difference between what you actually desire and what you're using as like a ploy to avoid things if that so, makes sense yeah no i get it and i think for me is like when i went through treatment i actually gained like 25 pounds and i haven't been able to lose them all until, until today and not that i care about losing weight at all i i'm absolutely happy with however i look um because i'm worthy because i am <laughs> but um yeah, I feel like with desire, like I never restricted myself from food, even in my journey of losing that weight. I never said, well, you need to go on a diet. It was always like, if I want to eat a burger on Thursday, I'll eat a burger on Thursday. If I want to eat pizza on Saturday, I'll eat pizza on thir- Saturday. I'm not going to deprive myself. But at the same time, I was making those, you know, those conscious choices of healthy eating and stuff. Now, in regards to numbing versus desire, I think that's about self-awareness. It's like, well, why do I actually want the chocolate bar? Is it because I'm feeling sad and I'm trying to distract my thoughts from thinking about, you know, that terrible job that I'm in? Or is it like, you know, I actually want that chocolate bar just because I want it, you know? And I think for me, um, it's interesting because I could, I initially started working with my coach from a place of, I want to run away from my job. um to really discovering that I truly desire to be a coach you know and I feel like um numbing is just like you know if if you've been to watch that tv show for 10 hours just so you can like escape your life that's I feel like that's more numbing right and desiring it's like well I feel like watching this tv show I'll put on this tv show so I think that's how I look at it for me and and I think um the work is really understanding your own mindset of, of why I desire this thing, you know? Like, yeah, I think that's how I would describe it. Okay, I like that. Yeah. I'm down for that. I'm here for that. I really liked your affirmation, too, that says, I can't screw up what's meant for me. Yeah. That's really cool. I haven't really, surprisingly, I've never heard that before. Like, I've heard, like, things like, you can't fuck it up, but I've never heard, Well, like, no, she does say, I can't fuck up what's meant for me, but I just said screw up. Oh, no, I just mean, like, I, I have heard, like, the full thing is, like, you can't fuck it up. And I'm yeah. like, you haven't met me. <laughs> but I also feel like in the fuck-ups or the failures is the lessons, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and my life has just been a testament to, like, yeah, there was definitely lessons there. So how did you, because you mentioned how your parents are kind of against this this life choice. Mm-hmm. How did you express this to them in a way? And I'm not sure what your relationship is with them, and I'm not sure if you're comfortable. No, it's good. I actually live at home, so. Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. This is going to get really interesting. How did you actually, like, express this to them and start on this path while setting the boundary of, like, this is my life. This is what I want. Yeah. So I feel like while my parents haven't implicitly pressured me into doing anything, I have internalized the culture 
and its expectations. Like they never told me, oh, you have to go get your CPA. They just kind of said, you know, like not in a manipulative way, but just kind of like a guiding way of like, you know, you'll have a successful life if you do X, right? And I take full responsibility that going down the CPA path was all me. They supported me in it, absolutely. Um, and another thing is, it's like, um, when I was doing the job and, and also like, they're very supportive of entrepreneurship. Like they totally support the fact that, you know, people can't always work for other people and they should, you know, they're totally great to do their own thing. And, and they always wanted to be an open mind firm too. Right. But the one thing is like, they saw me suffering in that job. Like, I live with them. So if I'm coming home and taking it out on them and being irritable because I hate my job or I'm stuck or I'm feeling depressed and anxious about it, then they're going to want what's best for me, right? And if I decide that what's best for me is to quit the job and have my own business, then they're, they're fully for that. They, they do want my happiness at the end of the day. Also, if I decide that I don't want to get married, that's also, and I feel like they're definitely more progressive than a lot of Indian parents because you know like people do get pressurized into these arranged marriages and stuff like that but I've made it very clear I was like this is my life and I'm going to live it on my own terms but I think part of that is like advocating for yourself and your own family and being like this is my life right and a lot of people don't do that for themselves so yeah I've gotten the support of my parents by by being very openly communicating with them and being like this is what I'm doing for my life I really like that because you touched on like a major point. I always tell my clients, like if you set a boundary with somebody and they fight you and they get nasty and they leave your life, they didn't love you to begin with. Yep. And like your whole thing was, no, they love me. They want my happiness. So this was easy. And it's like, that's the way it kind of should be. Yeah. And it's not always like that. I'm very grateful. I, I'm in that situation for sure. I love that. I love yeah. That. Yeah. And I do feel like I, I get the internalization because like, people hand me work and I feel like I have to get it done right then and there. Mm -hmm. That's an internal thing with me. Nobody told me I had to get it done right then and there, exactly. but because they didn't come to me and be like, Hey, this isn't that important. If it takes you a couple days, it's fine. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, if this isn't done in five minutes, they hate me. <laughs> and it goes to the people pleasing. And it's like, and I'm talking like over yeah, I'm talking like big projects that take me like four or five hours to do. I'm like, oh God, if I don't get it done right now, they're going to hate me. And then I'm emailing them and I'm like, yo, is it okay if like, I don't get this done like right now? And yeah. they're like, well, duh, it's a big ass project, <laughs> but it's an internal thing. It's yeah. like, oh my God, if I don't do this, I'm going to fuck it up. And it's just, it's crazy. It's so cool to like have people recognize. I love seeing that self-awareness in people when they're like, yeah, it's an internal thing. I'm like, it is because our thoughts create our feelings, create our actions, right? Like if I'm having a thought that I'm going to blank out on a test, then I'm going to have feelings of anxiety that I'm going to blank out on the test. And I'm going to freaking blank out on the test. That's very true. That's actually very true. That's like, that's uh, really helps me frame things properly. Like if I'm going in with a frantic energy and desperation, even in client, you know, sales calls or whatever, what do you think is going to come out of that? You're going to freak the fuck out. <laughs> You're going to manifest it. Your, your emotions are manifesting your world around you. Absolutely. So what would be your biggest tip to go into the, wow, okay, words, hard. Sorry, guys. Uh, what would be your biggest tip to somebody going through the battle with their mental health? I would say um, self-awareness is key. 
first of all. Like for you to get aware of what's going on in your own mind is huge. And um, my favorite podcast for that is uh, called Unfuck Your Brain. <laughs> have you heard it? I have not. I only listen to one podcast. Amazing. Like it's amazing. Well, because it's like our brain is in this mode of like catastrophe all the time because it's literally wired to be like, I'm going to die if this happens. It's so true ultimately, right? And I feel like people need to um, get aware on what they're thinking and how their thoughts are serving them. Like if you're having such negative thoughts, how are they actually serving you? If you're having some negative emotions, are they trying to teach you something? Are they, you know, what, what is the value in having that thought and how can you shift that, right? It's like, if I'm sitting here being like, oh yeah, like I'm being terrible in this podcast, how is that serving me? <laughs> you know? Huh. And I think that's really important. And for me, it's really like shutting out that inner critic because that ego is always there. Ego is always going to be there no matter how much self-aware we are, no matter how much work we've done, no matter how much healing we've done. It's always going to be there. And it's going to be like, well, you can't do that or you're not good enough or you're not worthy or they're not going to like you or, you know, you're going to fail in your business. And it's like, no, like for me, it's like when I feel those thoughts coming up, I journal on it. And I think journaling is such a great practice to have. It's like writing down all those thoughts and being like, yeah, no, I, I don't agree with you, <laughs> you know? And one of the biggest things I learned from my own healing is that seeing people as the lesson and not the enemy. So for me, the biggest shift came really is when I realized that when someone calls me not a team player, it has nothing to do with what they're saying, but what I feel about myself. So if I'm in an environment seeking belonging and trying so hard and working overtime to be part of a team and someone says, well, Shalda, you're not a team player. That means I have shame about that from the get go. And they're just a reflection of my own thoughts. Do you get that? Yeah. So it's like them saying that to me was supposed to be a lesson for me to, to look internally and be like, why do I think I'm not a team player? Like, where did that come from? You know? And I think for us, a lot of the time is we just kind of, I don't know if people pride themselves and say, oh, I'm a people pleaser, but it's not funny. Like, it's not. And it's, it's kind of uh, getting to that point is be like, well, why am I a people pleaser? Where did that come from? Why am I such a perfectionist? Like, striving for excellence is one thing, but, you know, being a perfectionist is another because it, it's, it really destroys you on the inside, you know, to be always working overtime to do that. And for me, what I help my clients with is this idea of wholehearted living, which really comes from Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. So she really says that um, a wholehearted living is, you know, engaging in your life from a place of worthiness where you believe that you are um, imperfect, but you're still worthy of love and belonging because we all are at the end of the day, right? We're worthy because we are, and we don't have to be perfect. We don't at all. We have to strive to be better than our previous self, but we don't have to be like, you know, just checking off all those boxes or whatever that we create for ourselves, right? And, and I think that's, yeah, that's the advice I would really give to someone. And the other thing I have is like, surround yourself with people who have empathy and compassion whether that's your friends, your family. If you don't feel comfortable going to your friends and family, remember that the world is your family. 
And there are very kind souls on the internet, like you and I, who are more than happy to help people with whatever they're going through. And, you know, if it, you know, if they need professional help, go and get professional help, but make sure that the person that you're confiding in and opening up to about your biggest struggles with your mental health is there from a genuine place, you know, and to really have that support system around you because, you know, I didn't have that for a long time. And now that I have my coach to, to work with on a weekly basis, um, I'm, I'm part of a, a few Facebook groups where we have like sisterhoods going on, like, you know, for that anxious achiever in me who was really taught that life is a race and you have to be better than everybody else and you have to be in this competition and then being in the corporate environment and also being told that same thing. <clears throat> it is so refreshing that um, one person who is a coach is inviting another coach onto a podcast and not looking at them as their competition. Yeah, man. <laughs> if somebody wants to hire you, then they want to hire you for what you got. Exactly. And if they want to hire me, they want to hire me for what I got. People are like, oh my God, why would you, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, why? Yeah. And it's like, no, we're all here navigating the same world, you know, and the best thing we can do for each other is, you know, be around each other and help us navigate one, you know, the world together through a sisterhood. And it's like my only competitive advantage is my actual energy and my voice and my own stories and, and realizing that we're all here because we're meant to connect with certain people, you know, even as coaches, right? It's like my energy and my voice and my stories are meant to activate a certain type of people that maybe yours wouldn't able, be able to, and then there's nothing wrong with that and vice versa, right? So I just feel like people need to stop you know, competing in this race of life, wake up, drop that perfectionist attitude and start pleasing themselves. Like it's, yeah. This is all the gigantic trick too. I secretly have all these coaches on here so I can get their best tips. And then I learn things throughout the podcast and I'm like, yeah, this this is for my audience. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. It's all for me, guys. Fine, because we're all in a collective mission at the end of the day, regardless, right? Yes, we're making businesses or whatever, but the service isn't just helping people. And yeah. if if I if my words can do that for your clients, why not? Yeah, yeah, man. It's every you know what you what you've gone through in your life is completely different than what I've gone through in my life. Exactly. So we both have different perspectives. <clears throat> There's going to be some girl that's listening to this that completely understands that perspective of having you know, living in that culture of accomplishments. And she's going to be like, oh my God, she gets me. I have to contact this lady. Which speaking of which, she's got some one-on-one spots available, guys. (laughs) You like how I shifted that promo? Yeah. How do people sign up for your one-on-one spots you have available if they're interested? So they can actually DM me on my Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm, I'm also LinkedIn. Um, and they can just, you know, connect with me on there and we can book a discovery call to see if we would be a good fit for each other. Right. Cause that's what's important at the end of the day that we get each other. Hell yeah. You guys can get her for like so long. I don't know how long your discovery calls are. Mine are like 30 minutes. I don't know how long yours are, but you can get her for an X amount of time. And then you can ask her a ton of questions. If I like <laughs> maybe longer. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been really awesome having you here. I'm going to have all of our information in the show link, guys. I've got her 
her LinkedIn, her TikTok, and her Instagram. And I'm sure that TikTok is fire, so check it out because I, I love- just created it like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying not to be a perfectionist about that too. I'm I'm recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And one thing I just want to say to someone is like if you're feeling stuck in your job, career, relationship, or life, most likely you're probably feeling stuck in your own mind, and that's what coaching is about. So we're here to hold space for you to figure that out. Heck yeah, man. We got a container for a reason. Yes. Whoop, whoop. All right. Anyways, I wish I had, like, really awesome, like, extra mu- ex- exiting music. So I could just be like, but anyways, everybody have a good day. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For more bomb-ass content, follow me on Instagram at First Steps to Sanity or leave me a review and let me know what your favorite part was. I can't wait to see you guys next week. Bye!